as they say in hockey, let's do that hockey. What's up, y'all? We back. Welcome back. It's been a couple weeks. We're glad to be here with you. It's the Top Pair Podcast. I'm your host, it's Eric Weinstein, and with me, as always, on a brand new microphone sounding fantastic, it's Mr. Nick Maxwell up in Rochester. Sup, bud? Yeah, hey, man. Uh, Just in case everyone thought I was like a a three-pack-a-day smoker, I actually decided to take the plunge and make the investment in buying some sort of equipment. Listen to you. You sound fantastic. Um... It's great for me. You're very now. You're pleasing on the eyes and the ears, so it's good. Um, so it's been about two weeks since we last recorded, and it's we're in the dog days of the off season here. Nothing is really happening. Um, couple signings here and there. There's been some news about a potential return to play. Um, we'll get to all that, but first we're gonna get through all the housekeeping. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. Find us on Breaker, Radio Public, Pocket Cast, as well as the homepage of the A1 Sports Network. That's a1sportsnetwork.com. Find them on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at A1 Sports Network. Find me at Eric Weinstein, two C's, two N's on Twitter and Instagram. Find the podcast at Top Pair underscore pod on Twitter and Instagram. I've been actually tweeting from the account, so you know you can actually follow us and see stuff. I'm not, we're not just I think the last thing we posted before this week was from, like, the 19th of October. So, you know, glad to be back on that. And, Nick, why don't you go for it? Yep, you can always find me on my Twitter account at nmaxwell01 or on my Instagram at nickjmaxwell. Sounds good. Sounds good. So while everybody's waiting for their PS5 to come, come give us a follow. Give us a listen. I know I'm waiting for my PS5 to come. So... To start out, I guess we'll go over some of the signings over the past couple weeks. Um, again, it's it's RFA season right now, um, and it's you know not a lot of term, decent money. So, I guess we'll start out. The most recent signing I have is with the Dallas Stars on November 9th. They re-signed winger, 23-year-old winger Rope Hints. Uh, to a three-year deal worth $9.45 million, comes out to a $3.15 million cap hit. Nicholas, I think that is a steal for the Dallas Stars. Yeah, I love that dude's tools, and I love his game. You know that. Um, oh, I know that. Guy guy plays with a ton of speed. He, not not necessarily this year, wasn't his greatest playoff performance, but the year before that, he was a huge key for the Stars. Um, you know, they're a team that's like a lot of everybody else, kind of locked up a little bit by the cap. So for them to get that internal piece, I know a lot of teams would be hunting somebody with Rope Hintz's services because he's one of those, plug them in, one through four. So good on Dallas. I think he's going to be a key part of that future, especially as some of those guys like, you know, uh, Pavelski and them get a little bit older and longer in the tooth. Yeah, definitely a veteran team, to say the least. I mean, even... Sagan and Ben, I think they're both on the wrong side of 30 these days. Um, obviously with Pavelski, you know, Klingberg, you know, these are guys that are, they're in the primes or, you know, near the back nines of their career. So to have a little youth, especially one as talented as Rope Hints, I think he was on our team Finland. Is that where he's from? Yeah. Yeah, it's from Finland. Yeah, go us. Um, which you can go back and listen to if you want to hear about our international teams. Um, but yeah, Rope Hints. 
very fair deal. Again, a second-round pick in 2015. I think they got excellent value on the contract, excellent value on the pick. Shout-out Rope Hints. You'll be staying in the Lone Star State for a little bit longer. Uh, moving right along. State tax breaks. Yeah, no state tax. No state tax. The key. Um, next up, speaking of no state tax, the Florida Panthers re-signed 26-year-old left-handed defenseman Mackenzie Weger to a three-year, $9.75 million cap hit, a 3.25, sorry, 9 $9.75 million value, AAV 3.25. Sometimes I can read. Uh, Mackenzie Weger, you know, left shot defenseman, pretty solid. Um, Florida really needs a lot of help in the defense department, so obviously they're hoping here to get by giving him a little bit of term here, a little bit of money. They're hoping that Weger can either develop into more than what he's been or just kind of keep doing what he's doing. Yeah, he's he's one of those analytics darlings, right? Like I think I heard his name tied to every single front office that was a big analytics booster. Nerds so. love him. <laughs> so you know, obviously, Florida is now a team that is in the analytics direction, so it makes sense that they try to keep him. But I he- I think I heard his name tied to Toronto. Um, I think there was a little bit of talk of him possibly going to Ottawa. I don't know, but yeah, I mean, he's still a younger guy. Um, he hasn't really cracked the 20-point mark, but he, you know, great depth signing. He's he's one of those just steady, steady, solid defensemen. Really good passer of the puck. I love the I love the way he makes that first pass, leaving the zone. Um, probably not going to be ever going to be like a lockdown, first, first guy shut down your top line type of player, but, you know, depth is going to be tested more and more this year than ever before just because of the way that the condensed schedule is going to be playing out. Um Dudes are going to be getting banged up. Dudes are going to be needed to get switched out. So one of those, like, people might look at the money and say that might be a little high for somebody who hasn't cracked the 20-point mark, but um, I think still a good signing for the Florida Panthers. I agree, yeah, and we know defensively, and especially, you know, when you give the goaltender all the money that they gave, we can leave that alone because we've harped on that enough. Um, you need all the defensive help you can have considering the year that the goalie had last year. Not going to say any names. But Mackenzie Weger, no state tax, sticking in the Sunshine State. Um, I don't know about Ohio. I think they have a state tax. Uh, well, <laughs> Vladislav Gavrikov, the 24-year-old defenseman of the Columbus Blue Jackets, he also signed a three-year deal worth $8.4 million, a $2.80 million cap hit. Um, another defenseman, another left-handed defenseman, 24 years old, another three-year deal. I feel like you can kind of put him in the same category as Uyghur, just or Uyghur. Um, I think it is Uyghur, Uyghur, whatever. It's Uyghur, Uyghur, not Uyghur. Uyghur. I would, I would change my last name. My last name was Uyghur. Yeah, so funny story about Mackenzie Uyghur, Uyghur, because I'm a jerk. Um, I went to when the Islanders played the Panthers. It was actually the first game of their big point streak, the 17-game point streak. Um, I had a few drinks. I was feeling pretty good. It was Nassau Coliseum on a Saturday night. What else? What more do you? What else would you rather be yeah. on a Saturday? What else night? could you? What else could you ask for? I think I went to Applebee's <laughs> after the game. Um, and naturally, <laughs> I heard his name, 
And because I'm a jerk, I yelled, Uyghur sounds like wiener. And it made like the 11 year old in my section laugh and nobody else. And then I just continued to drink and watch the Islanders beat the, I think it was a shootout win. Seems like a Brock Nelson type game. So um, Mackenzie Uyghur sticking around. Vladislav Gavrikov, going back to him, who we were actually talking about. Uh, $8.4 million over three years. Again, these deals just seem like, yeah, okay, that sounds about right. Yeah, there's definitely going to be no long-term deals handed out this offseason and probably next offseason with the way that flat cap is and with the market coming in, the revenue being down for the league. I think every GM is just as much up in the air as every fan is. Like We have no idea. I mean, especially if you think about the fact that NBC's TV contract runs out after this year, so... Yep. I think the the league's really just praying like, uh, maybe ESPN will give us a big fat new contract or... We'll just get a new new uh, suite of advertising companies. Who knows? Um, but also side combo, Ohio, very very uh, progressive tax taxing state. So oh. you know, not bad for him either. No, um, not bad. But for, <laughs> but for Vladislav Gavrikov, um, really smooth skating defenseman, as like most Russian players are. Uh, I think he has a little bit of an untapped potential, which is which is easy to get buried on that team when you're playing behind guys like Seth Jones and Zach Wierenski. He's still only 24 years old. He's been back and forth a little bit between North America and Russia. Um, played for SKA St. Petersburg. So you know if you're playing for Putin's team that you got to have some yeah. sort of skill. Yeah, to say so, the very least. So I, I like the way that he plays. Um, you know, he's six foot three. So he's a big-time defenseman. Um, I think they need to get a little bit more offense out of their back end there. So... I could see him being a big part of that future going forward. Yep, 24 years old. And it's it's still a young team in Columbus. I mean, they have the veteran presence. You know, they just traded for – well, I'm making my point that they're a young team. They just traded for Max Domi, you know, Seth Jones and, you know, Zach Wierenski. Well, Zach Wierenski's young. Seth Jones isn't exactly old. So, you know, they're still looking to compete every year, especially with torts. You know they're going to want to compete, and I think this guy's going to be a part of the future as well. Um, now going to a team who plays in a city with incredibly high state uh, taxes, um, the New York Rangers re-signed uh, forward and cost of living. Yeah, talk about cost of living. Um, they re-signed forward uh, two forwards. Actually, we'll start with Ryan Strom, the 27-year-old forward, signed two years, a nine million dollar deal, a 4.5 million dollar cap hit. Um, boy. Does it help to play with Artemi Panarin every night? Because Strom, in a contract year, unfortunately, this being 2020, he couldn't cash in as much as I'm sure he wanted to. But a nice AAV for Ryan Strom, the former fifth overall pick in 2011 by your New York Islanders. Um, $4.5 million, again, a career year. Um, another, again, another good signing for the Rangers. Um you got to think that some of these contracts are going to eventually add up at some point, but uh, it's only a two-year deal. Um, Ryan Strom staying on Broadway. Yeah, I, I I really thought this guy was going to be a casualty of all the good young players that they were going to have to sign, and then he had that really good year this year. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, what I think he had sixty points in seventy games or something like that. So. Yep. Yeah, like, what if you're Ryan Strong, why would you want to leave? And if you're the Rangers, how could you really let this guy go, right? See Panarin, comma, Artemi. 
for reasons also, why you wouldn't want to leave. Well, also, and think about the fact that he has the potential now of playing with Capo Caco or Lexi Lafreniere. They really decide either way. So, I mean, it seems like his point total is only going to go up now for his next contract too. So, exactly. Yeah, not not that, a bad not a bad spot to be in if you're Ryan Strom. Um, yeah, a lot of options for him to play with. Um, probably a guy he won't be playing with though. Um, Brendan Lemieux, twenty four year old forward, tough as nails. Uh, signed a two year deal worth three point one million dollars, a one point five five million dollar cap hit. Um, am, am I going to go out on a limb and say this might be a steal for New York Rangers? I feel like Brendan Lemieux is better than people think. I could also be way off base, but I feel like he's. I, always, I feel like he. I always see him doing like good things on the ice, intangibles. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. That's that's definitely the word you use. With. I mean, he's the son of Claude Lemieux, right? So the best I, Lemieux. I just told, I, I just told, okay, sure. Now you're way off your basis here, Claude. I just hope I just hope he doesn't have the ego of Claude Lemieux because Joe Sackick was telling this funny story once about how Claude Lemieux was the only player that he ever played with who always thought he was open, <laughs> and he always thought it was his centerman's job to feed him the puck. So. Um, but Brendan Lemieux, yeah, he has those intangibles, right? Like every, every, I think coach wants a player like Brendan Lemieux cause he's like that pest role, yeah. kind of like a Brendan Gallagher or, or like a Brad Marchand. Like he's going to mix it up in the corners. He can defend for himself. He's going to agitate the other team. He's going to draw a ton of penalties. Um, not going to be a, like a 20 or 25 goal scorer. No. So I think that's why he gets like the smaller contract, but certainly a guy you want to keep around if you can't. Yeah, and he fills out your bottom six. And it's not like you have somebody who you hate wheeling out there every night. You know, Brendan Lemieux, I feel like most teams would be happy to have him, you know, to have him. So uh, we also had a couple entry-level deals that we really don't have to, you know, give too much into because they're entry-level deals. Uh, Cole Perfetti signed his entry-level with Winnipeg. Jamie... I was shocked by that one. Were you? Really? Yeah. I was. Because I thought, Explain. to me... Well, all right. So going back to my draft episode, right? Like it, it was. It's. I'm on the record of saying I think Cole Perfetti needs some more development, right? And to me, I was like, if they really are going to push him into that second center role, they really need to be certain that he's going to work out. And then all of a sudden, they made the trade for Paul Stasny, and I was like, oh, this is perfect. Like I think they. I think he's got two more years left on his deal. Like give Perfetti time to develop, and then just kind of do a plug in place. Once Dazzy's contract's up, and then you get to kind of like reap the benefits of paying him a rookie level contract, right? So when they signed with this contract, I was like, so they're going to have him on the third line, and he's going to play bottom six minutes and probably get maybe second unit power play? Like, I don't know. That was kind of shocking to me. I know Winnipeg is one of those teams who's really looking to kind of trim as much cash as they can because right. they want to add to their defense. Yep. But I, I don't know. Like, to me, like, it doesn't make sense to me. Like if you're gonna bring a guy in just to have like that small of a role because you know he's not gonna take the spot of Paul Stasny, I guess unless he gets injured. But to me, like that one-two centerman is so locked in place for Winnipeg. So here's why it, it might make sense because Stasny's actually a free agent after this year. Oh, okay. So maybe okay. you bring him in the year after after playing with Paul Stasny, like you know, learns from him a little bit. So I actually. Don't hate that, if I'm honest with you. Um, Jamie Drysdale signed his entry-level deal. Um, I guess that one, too, also surprised me, but not as much. Yeah. But, I mean, you can't argue with Anaheim's ability to, to 
grow and work with defensemen. Like yeah, that track record speaks for itself. So if there's any organization that's going to do that, it, it should be them. Yeah, we've brought that up ad nauseum on the podcast. As well as, uh, is it Jakob Perot or is it Jacob Perot? Uh, Jacob Perot. Am I making him French for no reason? Well, no, you're making him or like Slavic Czech? for no reason. Yeah, like yeah you're making like him Slavic for no reason. Yeah, Jacob Perot. I think he's, <laughs> yeah, he's from... He's from Montreal. Okay. Well, so he is French. All right. Um, Jacob Perot, he's 27th overall pick. He signed his entry-level deal. Um, I guess the last signing we can go over um, was one of the two big restricted free agents that my team had. Um, Ryan Pollock signed a two-year, $10 million deal. Easy math, $5 million cap hit. Um 26 years old, right-handed shot. He is the number one defenseman of the New York Islanders. They would give him term and money if they could. They can't. Um, This deal will take him right on up to unrestricted free agency at 28, where he is going to cash out. Because I think this guy, textbook number one defenseman, cannon shot. He kills penalties. Um, First pairing with Adam Pellick, um, they are... One maybe one of the more underrated deep pairings in the league. I don't know how I can keep saying that after year after year, but um, good number for the Islanders. I think he could have gotten six or seven, honestly, in a normal year. Um, you know, can quarterback the power play. You name it, this guy can do it. Um, when he was, when he came into the league, people thought he might not be able to defend well enough to, you know, even stick around. Um, Those scouts and, weren't majors for the record. Yeah. <laughs> idiots. Um, he Trotz took him and Pellick and Mayfield and that whole defense court that the Islanders had, and just Trotz said, "We're going to make you guys lock down," and that's exactly what happened. So I think Ryan Pollock, that's a fair deal. I wish it was for more term. I wish they could, you know, I like the number at five million um, steal for the Islanders for their best defenseman. Yeah, someone had made the point to me the other day. When I when I brought up the pool of contract, they were like, "Doesn't that pairing kind of remind you a little bit of like?" Now I want you to calm down when I say this. I'm, I'm already smiling. I'm, I don't even know what you're gonna say. I'm already I'm smiling. Gonna, I'm gonna calm down. I want you to calm down. I'm when already I say smiling that because because you need to let me finish the full sentence. Okay. I'm not. He gonna. was like, he was like, "Does that remind you of the pairing when?" Nashville had Shea Weber and Ryan Suter. Oh <laughs> yeah. How do you not want me to get excited? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> and I said, and I was, and I took a second. And I was like, maybe there's there's some differences just in the way the teams built. Like those teams in Nashville with Weber and Suter, who just had garbage off, had garbage <laughs> offense. Like David Legwan and Jason Arnett were like their top two centermen. Hell yeah! Like so, but he, but like the point was made. He was like, they had two guys who could just lock it down. They weren't gonna they they weren't afraid to roll them up against any line. You know who they were gonna go against? Maybe like a. Maybe kind of like a McDonough Girardi is maybe a closer comparison. Even fine, but, I'm okay with yeah. that. <laughs> but yeah, but I think like the points made, like those two set the pace for that decor. Like you said, they set the pace for really that team. Um, you know, it. Yeah, like I guess like really for him, you know, if he if he pumps in a couple more points this year or next year, then yeah, he's probably going to break the bank and being one of the most paid free agents in the in the, in whatever 2022 is. Yeah, and I, I feel like people, when they think of the Islanders' defense, they still think, oh, Letty and Boychuk. I feel like those are like the two guys that everybody knows and everybody thinks of, but I, you know, this is going to be the third year under Barry Trotz whenever it starts. God knows when it will start. 
Um, you're going to start here, especially after the conference final run. I think you're going to be hearing about these guys a little more. Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, it's not, well, I guess you kind of pointed it up the other day, like that NBC didn't have them in the top 10 of the power rankings, uh, but yeah, it's it's no secret. Like no, the Islanders aren't sneaking up on anybody anymore. I was furious. <laughs> they want the Oilers to be good so bad. It's the Mick Dreisaitl effect, I told you. Poor Mike Smith. It's not his fault. He's old now. Um, I, I, I could talk for hours on that. I won't. But they, they dominated Washington, and Washington is sixth, and they're not even on the list. They're like others receiving votes in like the top 25 of like college basketball, but whatever. Um, okay, moving on from that, because I could speak about that for hours. I already have to some, some people, my poor dad. Um, we have some potential return to play news. Yay. NHL is still targeting January 1st. I don't know. I mean, it's what's today? Today's November 12th. They'd have to come up with something pretty quick because you would kind of expect training camps to start in like a month from today. And then think about the teams that didn't play in the bubble. They haven't played since March. So you'd think they would want to get in a little earlier than that. So if anything's going to happen, it's got to like, you got to pick it up. Yeah. The NHL Players Association, um, had an executive board call, which means like all like one player rep from each team is on the call and met, um, you know. And then the NHL governors, I think, met today or yesterday too. Um, everybody reiterated the fact that they really want the start date to be January one. Now, the fact they already canceled the Winter Classic tells me that they're they're admitting that it might not be completely possible because I think even the NHL, with how bad they are at marketing, would understand the fact that wow. What a great return to play idea! An outside stadium yeah, where we right. wouldn't have to worry about COVID, and we might be able to have like eight thousand people there sell tickets to. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, Speaking of revenue, you know, at least get a little bit of ticket revenue in there. Yeah, but I, I seriously think the next two weeks are going to be a hard grind between the board of governors um, and the players' association to figure out exactly what they're going to go into. So. From what Pierre LeBron reported on, it seems like that there's going to be anywhere between 55 and 72 games this year. Now, if you start January 1 and you play around 70 games, because I'm just going to assume at least a couple games are going to be canceled for COVID, that would put you at around May-ish for the end of the regular season. Now, maybe they just top off games at the end of the season because there's going to be teams that aren't even in it, and who cares, but, you know, that would probably make the season end probably around July, I would say, which is what I think is the best case scenario for trying to get their return to schedule as back to normal as possible. Yeah. Um, but it seems like that there's more of a of a consistent agreement across the board that there's going to be one Canadian ver- one Canadian team one Canadian division with all seven teams. Yes. And probably two to three two to three uh, U.S. divisions. And then, obviously, with the new travel, which I really kind of am interested in, is that the NHL might adopt kind of like an MLB-type uh, schedule where you're going to play the same team in a row for two to three games in a row to kind of limit the travel and limit the exposure to other teams. I am all in on the Canadian division. Those teams already don't like each other. 
And then you got to see him three games in a row. Oh, I, I'm all for it. I'm going to have like, to like subscribe to TSN or something. Yeah, I was just going to say, like, I might have to like somehow figure out a way to jank myself into Sportsnet coverage. Yeah, like call up, I'll have to call up fucking Optimum and be like, hey, how do I get Sportsnet? Can you, <laughs> you ever hear of it? It's in Canada. You know where that is? I want to watch Tim and Sid and I want to watch hockey. That's what I want to do. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm all for that. As If it gets players on the ice... And the key word here, obviously, we want to watch the games. Everybody, especially from the bubble, it was some of the most entertaining hockey I think I've ever seen. That being said, you can't bubble them. These guys have families. These guys, you know, they're going to have to travel a little bit. The key word here, safety. You like that? Safety. You want to get these guys in and out of the arenas. You want to get these guys in and out of the cities as safely as possible. And there's always the potential now. Oh, look, COVID's spiking up again because it's getting cold. Who could have seen that coming? Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, I think it, I think at this point you have to learn from like the MLB and the NFL. Like, there's going to be dudes that just test positive for COVID. And so, what I'm wondering now is like, what's the expanded roster list look like? You know, to me, it was kind of weird that they kept the contracts at at 50. But I mean, I guess it's like there's no point in expanding the contract list to 55 if you're going to keep the cap the same anyway because no one's going to be able to pay these guys right exactly because it it's going to be very interesting to see what they do especially if you have to expand a roster if you know with the ahl guys you know when their season is going to start nobody knows about that i mean it's there's a lot of question marks and again like you and i have both agreed upon if january 1 is a start date you know you got to pick it up here because it's it's fast and steadily approaching. So obviously we coming from two guys, you know, just based off the fact that we create hockey content. Um, we obviously want it back. All the fans want it back. Um, whether there's fans or not, depending on the city that you're in, I mean, it's tough cause they're indoors. So you can't really have fans. And that's the difference between, you know, baseball and footballs that they're outside. But I mean, it's gonna. I I would be very surprised. I hate to say it, if the season started January one, because three weeks from now, I feel like those teams who weren't at the bubble are gonna be like, oh, we want to start training camp. Yeah, and I mean, maybe I I would be surprised if there's owners that don't want the season to start January one, and they kind of just want like a forty-eight game, like a lockout shortened type season because. There's going to be no fans in the stands. Like these owners are just going to lose more and more money now. Because the other thing too, and again, we can get into this contract stuff all day long. But like, are these guys going to have prorated contracts where, like, if they play sixty percent of a season, are they going to get sixty percent of the guaranteed money that they're going to get? Well, that was also the problem with with baseball. The guys were. Yeah. That's why it took so long to get baseball back because guys didn't want to have prorated salaries, so they wanted to make. X amount of money, and the owners are saying, we'll only pay you this much, and they didn't like it. So you could also come into that dispute. That's very a very reasonable thing to expect. Yeah, 100%. And again, well, what's what's this too? Like, There hasn't been really talk about dudes opting out of the season, and maybe there won't be, but is that going to be allowed for players, or are they just going to be completely cut off the list? And how does that affect the team's cap? If you have a guy who's opting out, do you still have to fully guarantee their contract? Or are you going to be allowed to use that as like an LTIR excuse? Just, you know. Like I mean, that would like, be the that would be the easy fix. Just pick, oh, you're not playing LTIR, COVID. 
See ya. Yeah. But I mean, that's easy for two dopes who don't know how the salary cap works to say. So, um, yeah. you were going to say something. Go ahead. In your beautiful new microphone. I know. I really do love this thing. It you sound you so. Special. You sound so good. <laughs> I can't believe it. Oh, it's so great. I feel like an official like radio DJ, just like spinning <laughs> my tracks. Can the owner of the 2019 Nissan? Um, <laughs> so that's Sunday, Sunday, Sunday. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, return to play. It's still up in the air. Uh, one would think they were getting closer to a solution, but. I, I think in the next two weeks. I really do think the next two weeks they're just going to grind away on this and get this stuff hammered out. And again, it'll probably be one of those things where we're going to have, with every answer that we get, we'll have ten more questions and they won't be able to answer any of those ten questions. But we're going to we're gonna ride with this. We're going to keep on trucking and try to, whenever there's any major news, we're obviously going to try to you know keep you all posted with it. Um, I guess last thing before we wrap up, because again, there's really not a lot going on. Nick, you sent me a very interesting article that I could not make heads or tails of, but I'm also not very smart, so you can't go by me. Um, two forwards, three defensemen, using the yeah. Toronto Maple Leafs as an example. Well, so let me set, let me set the stage here for everyone. So Jack Hahn, who is a hockey writer of some sort. <laughs> Um, I have he has, he has, yeah, he has his own, it's called the hockey tactics newsletter. Yeah. And (laughs) Jack Hahn is an analytics guy who worked for the Toronto Marlies in the Maple Leafs organization and worked for the Montreal Canadians as well. And he was writing this, this piece about how he thinks that the Toronto Maple Leafs have the opportunity to do something that's really unique in that. Toronto could use play a style of two forwards and three defensemen. And he said that the reason for this is that they can maximize the playing ability of all their top four forwards. So guys we all heard of, Matthews, Marner, Nylander, Tavares, you know, maybe Thornton. Um, But basically, you know, he used the example. And again, this guy, this guy is a very analytics heavy approach and he knows Sheldon Keefe really well. He was on his staff when he worked. Nerd. Geek. All right, Jeff O'Neill, calm down. <laughs> Let me tell a story. Geek. Um, but again, he knows Sheldon Keefe really well. He was on his staff for the when he was in the Marlies organization. Um, and basically, it's it's an it's an interesting concept. Basically, and this and from what I've gathered from digging down this freaking rabbit hole that I spent three hours of my life that I'll never get back, <laughs> is that this was actually used by a Division three school called Middlebury College somewhere in New England. Um, and it was something where in the 80s and 90s when smaller defensemen weren't really getting recruited anywhere, this guy used these smaller defensemen as a way to build out his roster and use it as a way to lead the nation in fewest goals against while also posting like a, I think he had like a 607 winning percentage over like a 10-year span. Decent. So it's 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 not entirely new to hockey, but it's... It was interesting. So when I immediately read this is that there's problems both in the short term and the long term. Number one, in the short term, defense is probably the the weakest position in terms of top-to-bottom skill set in the NHL. Like, every single team in the league is looking for defensive help. So that, to me, is tough. 
Number two, in the long term, you're going to have to completely revamp the roster and completely revamp your drafting strategy, right? Now, all of a sudden, you're going to be hunting defensemen down and taking stabs to defensemen in the fifth, sixth, seventh round just to make sure that you have enough guys to fill out this roster. But I will say, he makes some very interesting points, right? So, and, and I can get why you would want to use this sparingly. So, I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are an interesting team to use because we all know their struggles keeping the puck out of their own end, especially in crunch time, right? So why not have a third guy when you can put Muzzin, Morgan Riley, and now, um, who's the guy that I'm forgetting? TJ Brody out there for the last shift of the game is a way to kind of support yourself defensively and making sure you have another guy out there who can take care of the puck in his own end, right? So, you know, I, but then I also say I don't know if this would work in the middle of a shift because if you're Austin Matthews and yeah, you get put out there with Mitch Marner, but do you really want to play with three other defensemen as your main passing options for for like your entire shift? I don't know if that would be my cup of tea. Yeah, I mean, there's obviously pros and cons to it, and I'm going to just say the whole thing about calling him a nerd, he is much smarter than I am. I'm just kidding. That guy is a genius for coming up with all this. Um, it's, it's, it's guys also sacrificing ice time and you know, guys don't want to do that. They want every second possible. And these guys are superstars. These guys are excellent hockey players. You think Austin Matthews is going to want to sacrifice any of his minutes on the ice or Tavares, Marner, Nylander, whoever, you know, these guys, they don't, it, that, that's my thing. Also the fact that, you know, Whenever they, whenever I see any like type of, say like a penalty kill, and then a defenseman comes out of the penalty box and there's three defensemen on the ice, I feel like it's like chaos, because everybody's like, oh no, there's three defensemen on the ice. Like, what are they gonna do? Like, I always feel like it's chaos when that happens. So, um, I personally, I don't know. I just it, it's because it's a, I feel like it's such like a radical thing to think about to have two forwards, three defensemen, that I'm like, no way, absolutely not. But, like, I also took me, you know, I read the article and was completely confused. So maybe it's not for me to decide. But um, it would just be something I'd have to, like, see in action before I'd be able to go one way yeah, or the other. And that, that, like, yeah, like you just said, it's the hard part to imagine. And, like, right off the top of my head, I was like, there's, like, maybe five teams that could use this, like, on a nightly basis. Like, Colorado with their decor, Carolina, Nashville, maybe, um, Dallas, and like maybe Vegas, and maybe St. Louis, I guess. But even then, like they're five six, it's just kind of like, uh, eh. it's just like guys. They're just like, yeah, it's nobody special. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, I kind of would like to see, and this is the interesting part of like the article is that because of the relationship, John, John. Han or Han, I don't really know if I'm pronouncing his name right, um, has with Sheldon Keith. He told the Toronto Sun, he goes, I really do think this is going to be something that Sheldon tries to do this year. I want to see it. I really do. They're, like, I love hockey, but there's too much staleness in this sport in terms of we keep recycling the same coaches, we keep recycling the same concepts. And part of me, yeah, part of me when I read this, I was just like, why don't you just like be better defensively and like learn how to pick up guys in front and like learn how to clear out the front of the net and learn how to possess the puck. But also... Like, I don't know, like throwing teams curveballs like this always interests me because I want to see how other coaches react to it. Because to me, that's how you separate great coaching from good coaching. So I kind of want Keith to really try this out this year. 
Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's so interesting just to see how it would look. And the sad part is that I feel like it would only happen if Sheldon Keith did it. And if he doesn't do it, well, there's never yeah. see it. Because I don't I – either – every other coach to me in the league is either like too old to do it or like they're going to be afraid that they're going to get fired if this backfires, right? Like you need to have a GM that also supports this. And I think Kyle Dubas would totally be on board with this because he's also more of an analytical guy. So, yeah, like like you said, like I, if anyone's going to do it, I think it will be Keith. Because I think even though he worked with Montreal Canadiens, I think Claude Julien is way too much of an old school guy to even yeah. think about trying this. Yeah, I agree. I don't think Claude is – this isn't even on his radar. He's not even thinking about this. So it's definitely interesting. I mean, I'm probably going to reread the article. I actually just tweeted it out from the top hair account. So anybody who's listening who wants to see what we're referencing, um, I tweeted it out while Nick was explaining. So, Nick, I wasn't texting anybody, you know, ignoring you. I was tweeting out content for our podcast. So you're welcome. Um Anything else you want to add? Because, I mean, again, another slow couple weeks here. Um, we had to bring up like a super analytic y article because of how slow it is. But anything else you want to bring up? No, just, um, you know, it, I, I really hoping that in the next week or so we're going to get some more free agents signed. Obviously, dudes like Mike Hoffman and Mikel Granlin are still out there waiting for their contracts. Matt Barzell. Well, he's an RFA. He I'm, really got no place to go. I'm just losing it. I just need him. I just so, somebody take Johnny Boychuk, please. <laughs> Eric will give you his allowance for the month. Take you. Take Maybe Andrew Ladd. Hickey, anybody? <laughs> At least Hickey only makes two million. He could play, ish. Kinda. Hello. Kinda. Is this thing I don't on? really know what. I don't really know what teams have two million to spend on a. Defenseman that can kind of play. No, he can. He can more than kind of play. He can kill penalties. You're just nervous, aren't you? Because you feel like the clock's ticking. It's November. I'm very nervous. <laughs> it's just like it's so weird. Like I was, someone posted something the other the other night that, like, maybe it was the David Ayers thing. Was that the thing that happened like this year ago last time, or was that a little still in the spring? That might have still been in the spring. That was like January. <laughs> I can't remember. <laughs> I don't know. God only pre-COVID is like the dinosaurs were here. Yeah, but maybe it was like something like the Buffalo Sabres were like 17 games in at this point last year or something like that. Like it was something where I was like, ugh, gross. Yeah, something dumb. <laughs> like something that it's just like I can't believe that it was like a thing that happened. Like, sheesh. Stupid, uh, stupid bacterial diseases. Yeah. Pandemics. Which leads me to keep wearing a mask, keep social distancing. Um, stop going out at night. Yeah, like, stop going out. Like, have a beer in your own house. Small groupings. Yeah, like, come on. It's so easy. Like, I know it sucks, but the reason that it's still here and the reason that it still sucks is because you guys won't stay in the house on a Friday night. Stay in the house. I mean, I'm going to work every day, but, like, still. Um, what was I going to say? Oh, oh, last thing going back to the Islanders. I, there was an article. It's like, Islanders need to lock up Adam Pellick now because he's a free agent at the end of next year. And I'm like, you didn't even you didn't even finish this year's free agency yet. Like, like <laughs> calm down. Like, need to sign him right now. Like, same with Bovillier because they're both free agents. I'm like, you got one miracle at a time. Like, let's just slow this roll down. Um, 
All right, so that about wraps things up here. I'm going to still be waiting for my PS5. Nick, I don't know what you're going to be doing, but I'm sure I'll be letting you know when the PS5 gets here. It's going to be ripping. I got a big football game on Monday that I'm having a, my own, a watch party by myself, and then I took off Monday just in case I get a little too uh, enthusiastic during Sunday. Is that right? Yeah, that is right. Very nice. Um, yeah, I'm going to be ripping shell all weekend. Um, probably going to be streaming games off my laptop so I can rip chill while the games are going on. Um, big week for the big week for the Giants. Big week. Who they play this week? Philly. Ooh. They can so beat Philly, and then they're like a half game out of first place, which is hilarious. Because <laughs> Philly will be, I think, three six and one. Or three five and one is it a stupid tie? This is gonna be like the time that the Atlanta Thrashers technically finished third in the East because they did the division winners always get the top seeds. Yes, and they finished like with like fourteen points lower than fourth seed. I, I think the Seahawks. And one I think they, year, I think they got swept by the Rangers in the first round that year. I think the Seahawks one year were seven and nine and won the division. It'll be a miracle if a team in the NFC East gets to seven and nine. <laughs> a miracle. I'm Eric. He's Nick. We're your top pair. We'll see you.